0: Events for Breakfast, your go-to guide for advice, top tips and events industry insights. My podcast is delivered in bite-sized chunks to help you digest information and expand your events expertise. Hi everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the Events for Breakfast podcast. I'm Kelly Frew, your podcast host, and this week I cannot tell you how excited I am. I'm going to be interviewing the Head of Engagement at Swapcard, Julia Solaris. Now, without a doubt, all events professionals across the globe know what Card is. It's the leading virtual event platform for large events. And also the majority of us events professionals across the globe have heard of Julius. He's the founder of the Event Manager blog, as well as being a prolific speaker across the world in events tech, trends, and innovation in the events industry. I feel hugely privileged to interview Julius. So let's sit back, relax, And let's go and meet Julius now. Julius, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for joining us today.
1: Thanks for having me. Very excited to be here.
0: Oh, I tell you what my listeners are going to love you I know it already so we're going to go straight into some questions and I'd really like to know who Julius is as a person first and foremost because I think that's what people are going to really want to listen to so let's go back to the beginning and if you can tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got into the events industry please
1: yeah, I mean, w- whenever I'm doing uh, these intros about myself, they're getting longer and longer as I'm getting older. <laughs> uh, um, you know, they're, um, yeah, I've always had a passion for events. I'll try to, to sum it up to the highlights. Of, you yeah. know, I've been uh, obviously involved in some capacity when I was very, very young and then out of university. And then, um, you know, I got my first jobs as uh, um, marketing in, uh, in the pharma industry during uh, conferences in the pharmaceutical. Right industry so getting involved in those uh, in the southern of Italy where I come from and uh, uh, yeah I was uh, I was very very excited by by events but I also was excited by whatever was happening back then in terms of uh, social media and uh, the the board the, the the start of all the social media revolution sure. that we've witnessed therefore uh, things like blogs and um, you know Twitter were all the rage at the time so I started the blog um, during um, as soon as I finished my MBA 2007 and um, you know that was event manager blog that then became event mb and we we I've uh, I've been running that as a hobby for the first three four years and then it became a business 10 years ago now wow and um, yeah i have been running that it's my uh, full-time business for 10 years until I sold it in 2019 Uh, to Skift uh, and uh, I've been working with Skift for a year and and a half and then um, a couple of months ago I moved to to Swapcard so yeah so I I passed from the media uh, sort of uh, content side to the to the more marketing um, supplier side so which has been an interesting change for sure.
0: Absolutely. And I mean, that took you, what, about a minute, minute to wrap your background up. And I know that was very quick because you have got quite the background, haven't you? And um, if we touch on the fact that you started off that event manager blog all those years ago, I think I've just been looking at your LinkedIn 13 years ago. You were at the start of all this, weren't you? You were at the forefront of when sort of blogs began and you, you, you hooked onto it quite quickly. Have you always been that way in kind of, of picking up things that are new and exciting and trying them out?
1: Yeah, I mean, to be honest, there's been a lot of, uh, of rambling, a lot of uh, testing, a lot of uh, imperfection in this process, I guess, you know, yeah. once you, um, and also ups and downs in the sense that, uh, you know, before your, your blog becomes your business, there's a lot of iterations, and I mean, we're here on a podcast, I'm sure you know. Um, that you know making content to your business can be very very challenging yeah. um, and you've got to be very resilient and uh, find your business model so that iteration took a while took at least three four years uh, where um, I, I was like also finding my my voice uh, which I think is very important uh, and you know I've always had a passion for the intersection of technology um, and events and the, the intersection of social media and events you know where I was talking about stuff like hashtags where people were like saying, oh, these are never going to happen or, you know. So I was like obviously um, motivated by the fact that all the um, conferences and congresses and seminars I'd worked on um, felt really, really uh, stale already back then. So there was room for innovation and technology and social media probably could revolutionize the way we would do events in a more collaborative fashion uh, have more people involved. So I was a big fan of uh, open sourcing events and yeah. really having a different approach to those. So that was my early topics. Then uh, it kind of evolved into uh, the rise of event technology and um, and social media. We're always um, um, paying attention at, at kind of uh, data research, trying to understand what was happening in the industry uh, where there was a very strong need of clarity, right? A lot of events. Yeah planners were unsure what apps came along what to do with apps so we try to make uh, sense for them so and provide value by doing that
0: yeah and, and you touched on some of the questions that are going to come on to in a minute but I, do, I don't want to go too much just into the tech and stuff yet because i want to focus on you and let's just focus on why events you know what is it about events that absolutely inspires you and gets gets you out of bed in the morning and, and makes you passionate about what you do
1: yeah uh, you know when i was thinking about starting a blog right there's a there's a saying that goes that if you can write uh 50 articles about something 50 blog posts about something then that's your topic right for your yeah. blog so and to me that was only events really um and i could see um the lack of a community online at the oh, time yeah. about yeah. events like there was no community you know we uh, I was uh, part with Lara and uh, Mike McCallan of, you know, starting the hashtag event profs on, on Twitter and, you know, starting that community with a lot of chats and discussion. We're talking early uh, 2009. So I was very, very excited about the room of, of creating something there was a lot of uh, uproar uh, and really change uh, uh, needed with, from within the community with people like Jeff Hurd and others being extremely vocal on um how things should should have changed and you know we had the first iteration of virtual events back then yeah so that was the 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 very first time we heard about virtual events in conjunction with social media so it was a very exciting topic for me um really the only thing i could uh have some organized thought about thought, thoughts about because everybody was talking about marketing and online marketing and i, I my background is in online marketing i was I just just did my mba in online marketing at the time yeah uh, but events kind of felt closer to me in a way that i could understand the dynamics of them ex- extremely easily in my mind that i could see very clearly what needed to change in those and i uh, could voice that uh, that needs, and I could see a lot of people would recognize themselves in that that need. Like whenever I would talk about, oh, maybe this needs to be different, a lot of people would rally behind it, and that's usually a signal that what well, you're saying kind of as uh, as legs, right, and can yeah. be um, can be expanded and uh, you know uh, sort of dealt with.
0: Yeah, and I think you you hooked onto it very early on, and you know my my question now is around innovation, around the fact that you know you were talking about this. 10, 11, 12 years ago, and you hooked up, you know, you looked at the data analysis analysis and you really researched into events and understood the the motivation behind them as well and and how technology could uh, could feed into that my question for you now is you know if we think about 12 13 months ago when when the pandemic happened and a lot of events people suddenly had to go oh technology oh okay how do we piece this together with events how do we make this work and and try and build some sort of jigsaw and, and understand the process of how it all works i've got a question there around innovation knowing that knowing that you are well in the forefront of everybody's minds in terms of all that technology how innovative do you feel the events industry actually is globally
1: uh, it is right now you mean after the pandemic or yeah actually... now
0: at the time and now how what what do you yeah. think where are we
1: <laughs> well I, I keep on saying this i'm kind of a broken record whenever mm. we have a chat about this it's kind of uh nobody chooses the event industry because they love technology I mean, no there's no correlation between the love of tech and data and all of that and working in events yeah it's extremely the opposite it's like i would join uh the event industry because i love to be with people i love that sort of adrenaline and, and sort of excitement about um you know running an event complex projects and the likes so technology is usually very distant from that i mean there was um i guess some level of uh, acceptance to those tools that may, just made sense, like online registration and you know project management on the back end, and sort of starting to organize it. But even there, there was a lot of silos. There was a lot of people used, still using, and there are still using Excels and and uh, and the like. So yeah, um, you know, we we had been very vocal pre pandemic in terms yeah. of saying, listen, you gotta gotta start understanding technology. We did a, a paper with Cvent. Probably six months before the pandemic hit, called the rise of the event technologists, where we were really um, uh, advocating uh, towards a change of the role of event planners yeah. in terms of becoming more strategic tech driven, or uh, the, the rise of new roles within uh, complex event, team, event planning teams, where there would be an event technologist in charge of integration with marketing systems and um, deployment of, of tech tools. Um, but, you know, honestly, it went unheard for the most part, um, you mm-hmm. know, it was a growing part, but still very niche. The, the big uh, topics for the event industry back then was still like, what canopies should I choose? Oh, like, how can I save money on a venue? And, yeah. uh, you know, where, where are we going to go next? What's cool and trendy, uh, with, uh, with draping on, on, a, on a door. So, you know, that's been sort of the main concern for a lot of people. And then, obviously, we had to kind of drink from a fire hose in uh, mm-hmm. March 2020 in terms of saying, listen, you can't do any of that, uh, which has been part of the, the biggest part of your role for a long time. Now you have to understand tech 100%, not only on, a, on an operational production side of things, but also on a, on a marketing business revenue uh, type of uh, type of perspective, because you've got to be able to deliver value to exhibitors or those left that are willing to spend some money with you. Uh, They're going to be extremely picky and want to see data and ROI. So all of a sudden you have to have a digital marketing mentality and being able to do that. Are we there yet? I mean, obviously there's been a lot of learning. Um, There's been a lot of uh, skills transferring uh, between like in-person and, and digital. So a lot of M planners, um, obviously those that were well-versed with uh, technology before were able to thrive later, right? And really expand yeah. and really, and those are the ones that are saying, listen, we're making more money now with virtual than we were with in-person because our audience was ready. We were ready. We knew the tools. We know how to move. Obviously, we fine-tuned in the first months, but now we're ready to roll out. And then there's the ones that are chasing and are really uh, waiting for in-person again. Yeah. But the problem is that uh, you know the level of investment, the level of, of awareness that now virtual has had, kind of uh, seems that is going to stick around for a while. It's almost to the stage where virtual is like dominant. In the event industry, and in person is going to be a premium experience for a while, rather than the other way around. Or 90, 90, 10 percent that used to be, uh, because some some events were virtual, we were live streaming before, but it was 90 percent in person, 10 percent. So uh, that's that. There's a big shift happening right now. Somehow, it's a lot of interest in pushing virtual events as opposed to in person. from a lot of people that come outside of the industry. I'm a a fan of in-person. I don't even want to go there. Mm. I obviously love in-person. But shift is happening and we've got to be aware of that.
0: Yeah, the benefits of, of I think what we've done in the past 12 months is realize the benefits of what virtual offers. You know, we can widen our audience. We can bring in expertise and and even speakers and, and content that perhaps we couldn't have done in person. We can connect and collaborate with different parts of the world um, all from our own homes. We can save money and save um, and, and be very sustainable in doing it virtually. So I, I agree. And I think um, coming out, we are in the UK and we're slowly starting to come out of, of our sort of restrictions. And all, there is still a big need and a big urge on virtual for a lot of the rest of this year, even though towards the end of the year, we are able to sort of look at that in person and it would definitely come back. But people are still thinking we can deliver this virtually and be extremely successful. So I agree. I think the hybrid model is going to be an interesting one to look at. Um, And I was wondering in terms of what you've seen in the past 12 months in terms of virtual, if we stick on virtual for now, what are are the ones that really stick out for you? Is there any examples that you think they absolutely nailed it and got it right content wise and the way they delivered it and platforms that they used?
1: Well, I mean, it's, there's, there's a lot of, uh, of use cases that uh, really uh, push the boundaries mm. uh, quite a lot. I mean, can I make names off the top of my head? Probably not, but I can tell you what I've seen that has was worked quite yeah. quite substantially. Um, and I think whatever there's been um, um, an ideation process be behind events. So you can tell there's been a team that spent time actually going through a plan instead of trying to adapt an in-person event to yeah. a virtual event that has worked extremely well, whether it was the format, where it was the, the, the creative flair to it, where it was the, the breakouts that they selected, or, um, you know, the, the, the use of the platform um, as well uh, in a very, very streamlined way at the beginning, I guess, in a sense of user experience, yeah. or, um, you know, adding bits and pieces, but without making it too complex, for those uh, connecting so that, that has delivered quite a lot and then obviously there's there's, uh, there's a side of this that nobody really talks about but it's really about those that nailed the business uh, the business of, of a model of those events and understood yeah. uh, how to correctly charge for virtual events if charging at all um, or you know creating series of events creating subscription models for their events you know there's it's a completely different attitude. Uh, to those or those that, for example, are now putting it all together. There's a clear example of IMAX, for example, working for, awesome. with, with WAPCard right now to um, create a, a community uh, for five months, right? With a lot of event-driven uh, activations through every month uh, where there's a lot of content, but there's also an ongoing conversation in different aspects and facets of the, of the platform and people can keep on going back uh, and connect with each other but even like if they go back once once a month whenever there's an event they don't need to reinvent the wheel so there's a lot of economies of scale yeah um, so i think there's there's a lot of fatigue that comes from attending these virtual events so making it easy has been extremely important i believe uh, uh, what i didn't like um uh, pre-recording is i'm not a fan of because no. you lose uh you can call that an event uh, i believe you know uh unless there's interaction around the recording but then again you know you can go in comment sections on youtube to do that you don't need to yeah well, pay a ticket or you know go go to an event platform to do yeah. that you're missing out on the live component which is really uh, where the adrenaline excitement is there obviously um some people have been extremely clever with the on-demand piece and, and being able to monetize that and uh, really create uh Valuable libraries of content and, you know, the beauty of all of this has been the inclusivity and the ability that a lot of people from around the world, who are that, In terms of uh, being able to attend events that they couldn't attend before just yeah. because they, they were um, too much of an economic commitment or time commitments or a travel commitment. Um, so it's great. Um, I, I guess this has been a great um, Advertising stage uh, stage for um, the business of events regardless of the medium they get delivered in.
0: Yeah, I like the fact that we are able as events professionals to deliver an event in a different way. So, we, could, whereas it may have been a one day event to a certain amount of people, I like the fact that we can carve up the content, we can put it on demand, we can stream it to across the globe rather than just in one location. We can think about sponsorship or subscriptions in different ways. And it is an exciting time, isn't it? It is, a, you know, we, I've been in the industry for a long time and it's a case of, absolutely changing the model and changing the way that we work and it's been quite a challenging but, but interesting time to work through i'm quite inspired by it
1: totally yeah i know you're 100 right yeah um, we've had more change in the past 12 months than in the past 12 years probably yeah um, you know it's uh it's been uh it, it's not been all uh all great it's been extremely tough for a lot of people sure. uh in the past 12 months there's been a lot of uh Damage done to a lot of businesses and a lot Absolutely. of uh, professions. Uh, you know, some people have been able to uh, reinvent themselves and re-embrace the digital part. Some people are have been waiting to go back to to just in person because that's what they do, and it's no problem with that. You know, yeah. uh, it's just like that. This comeback has been lagging, and it yeah. will keep on lagging for a while. It seems like uh, so. And then there's people that left the industry as well, and that's. Uh, there's, that's disheartening. There's, there's a migration of talent mm-hmm. from the industry and we will have to deal with that at some stage. So um, yeah, that's, um, that's. Uh, we'll see what happens with that.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's you know, and the ch- change is not for everybody, is it? So some people have decided it's not for them and they've, they've moved on to other things. And I completely agree. And Businesses have, have not survived and it has been heartbreaking. Controversial question for you, okay? Thinking about an event from start to finish, pre, during, post, the whole process, 360, do you think in 2021, we should ever be delivering an event that is absolutely purely live in terms of if every sense live with no digital aspects in it whatsoever? Should we be doing that?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not an advocate of of, uh, digital at all costs. Yeah. Uh, there's there's uh, components of digital that can be used. The question is, uh, will you be able to like the event industry is not famous for incredible margins or you know great uh, great uh, economics prospects. there has been actually a very delicate balance of you know trying to be to squeeze everything as possible to make mm. a profit at the end of the day. So with a uh, projected uh, capa- lower capacity. Of, of events. So projected 50%, 75%, even like if in Las Vegas, starting from um, June 1st, we're going to go 100% capacity. That doesn't mean that you're going to get 100% capacity at business no. events, right? Yeah. Probably going to get it at EDM or whatever consumer events or festivals where everybody just want to go. Yeah. But business events is a, it's trickier, right? So um, with that in mind, um, the question that I would ask you is: uh, Will you be able to turn a profit? Will you be able to break even just with person? Um, if you're able to do that, by all means, go go ahead and do it without even thinking about digital. the the The, the thing is, a lot of people are are adding a digital component, regardless, because that will help them to um, to complement the the lack of of uh, revenue that they're facing with uh in person right yeah uh, we exactly. just we just closed out a podcast with swap that we're going to publish this week with uh haley aggarty who's a group of uh, the event director for informa um uh, she was telling us about um, um an event that they're running in august in um, the NIM convention center in orange county in california where they're having uh 30, 30 attendees in person wow. and uh and and yeah, there's there's no digital component for that during the event, but they're planning to do virtual activation a week after the event. Yeah, uh, yeah, with more digital tools. So there's like uh, instances of a hybrid, if we want to call it that way, or virtual uh, sideline to uh, digital, where the with to in person, where the two experiences are not necessarily uh, synchronous, and there's an async kind of uh, perspective where you can them side by side that's why uh, I believe we believe a lot in the community piece in terms of pulling it all together and really having instances where the in-person attendees are interacting with say with uh, with a mobile app on the event to just connect as we used to Uh, but then there's the digital attendees that can do that as well if you're planning to have a digital component during the event but even later people after the event can go back and really connect with those that can travel so we are, we are really catering with different, different needs here. Yeah. And I think it's important to have the need. I think like big events like IMAX or uh, Confex in the UK um, and those, those large uh, sort of uh, staple events that need to happen uh, where everybody goes and you need to be there because it's all about that serendipitous business making opportunity, they'll stick around, yeah. Um, and and probably they will have a more a significant in person portion uh, that doesn't necessarily need digital. But even IMAX was doing digital before the pandemic. It right? was, so yeah. Uh, so uh, what I'm saying is that those events are probably less reliant on a digital virtual model. If we go down and we're thinking about like 1,000 attendees conferences. Based purely based on content, there's a stronger case for um, uh, a very present virtual component and uh, probably two separate experiences at the at the, at the um, scenario.
0: Yeah, I agree completely. Now, question around um, strategy and technology. As a, as a head of an event or as a, you know, somebody, an event director, at what point should we bring in our technology into our strategy for events? Should Do you think that is within the idealization of an event um, strategy, or do you think of your content and your concepts first and then bring um, technology into it afterwards? What, what, what order do you work through events
1: in? I mean, it's it's uh, needless to say. Obviously, we're gonna start, um, and I'm gonna say something that I hate uh, reading, but you know, it's the the, the truth of it. Uh, the problem is that there's not probably around a lot of thinking around that. Yeah. But you just got to start with the objectives, right? Yeah. But I'm always like wary of that phrase because it's kind of like a, a, a conversation conversation shutter in a sense. It's not an icebreaker is like you to start with objectives great yeah. yeah but what does that mean right? yeah what, what does it really mean uh that's been part of what we've worked with event B um uh, to clear it out like uh, seriously like w- w- sort of dissecting these objectives and the role of these um uh, sort of fundamental objectives that we used to have it's kind of changing as well in a very fluid world like you know, setting up objectives a year and a half before for your event program may be very redundant. Um, six months in, yeah. So that's that's a problem that we're facing right now with setting these um, um, long-lasting objectives. So, but having a plan is important. Like, what do we want? What do we want the people to do at our our events? Like, what is the main uh, reason why they attend? Is it to listen to content? Is it to network? Is it to be entertained? Like those three reasons sort of seem to be usually the, the more most recurrent one in event strategies, right? Yeah. And, and so once you, you define what's your priority list, you can then work uh, backwards in terms of understanding what are the, uh, what is, uh, how's the content going to be used? Are you going to facilitate that networking? What is the entertainment uh, piece of your event? Uh, and what role does it play within your event strategy? So thinking about that, um it's, it's very important. It really uh, defines how you're going to design the event. I think the event design piece always comes first, thinking about your stakeholders and uh, really what, what you want them to do during the event, how do you want them to mix, and thinking about their needs, thinking about their use case scenario and uh, wh- what are you going to face. Obviously, you know, the event design collective has done a lot of work in that sense and I obviously urge everybody to get certified uh, with them um, terms of thinking in a more strategic way yeah but then it becomes a matter of choosing the tools that help you achieve that or using the platform that you have to the best of your ability or sometimes doing rfps that really take that um, objective piece uh, at a high level for your technology needs for the year so you don't have to choose uh, different pieces of technology every time which is important. so yeah you made uh, a really, really good sorry go on no, I was going to say
0: you made a really good point there that actually it's difficult now as a as a head of events as I am or as an events director to strategize for the year because we live in a fluid world at the moment that is completely changing and and the behaviours are changing, our needs and requirements are changing. No matter and that goes across most industries, so it's really hard to build a long term strategy with the situation that we are currently in.
1: Yeah, and and I guess we've all had the experience of the past year. So if you've yeah. been working. You've been doing some level of events over the past year. You know, you have some data now on yeah. what worked and what didn't. And really, I mean, with data, um, you know, I keep on saying that in God we trust, but for, the, for everything else, there's data that uh, we need to rely on, right? <laughs> um, so I guess the, the, you got to follow the data. You got to follow the insights that come from that data uh, in terms of what worked, what didn't work. Um, how are how exhibitors use a, a platform specifically, or what was the content that worked the most? So you got to work on that and really build on on that. How you make that better? How do yeah. you make that um, investment part? How that impacts your in-person plans? Uh, if you're planning to have in-person, um, you know what's your strategy around that, and how you're going to bring them together, right?
0: Yeah, agree.
1: On the back end, there's a lot of economies of scale. I think the, the event technology landscape is ready to support hybrid experiences that are in-person and digital, um, not only on a swap card level, but uh, it seems to be quite the focus for everybody out there to really give tools to manage the back end of digital and in-person events. Then on the front end, is gonna be more tricky, right? It's gonna be, yeah. Uh, creating two, probably two separate experiences mm-hmm. uh, for uh, attendees that are participating online, because there's a lot of uh, format uh, considerations, such as, you know, having people for one hour keynote, uh, will it work? Yeah. Will it work to Zoom in a speaker to a live audience, in-person audience, like after we've done a year of Zooms, so like you're asking me to go to an event in person, you're projecting a Zoom speaker, <laughs> so we watch Zoom together, what, what's the purpose of that so there's a lot of consideration in the user experience side of things that uh, need to be taken care of
0: yeah that's a is such a really good point now I am I'm going to come back to you I'm going to start to wrap it up but I want to come back to you and I when I read on your LinkedIn profile there was something that really shot out to me that I just want to talk to you about so it says on your LinkedIn profile that 300,000 events professionals have downloaded your books wow now that is a number <laughs> um was it always your intention to strive to be an influencer um, within the events industry or is it just the fact that you are so into the detail the analytics and the research behind it and the education and the fact that you like to share your opinion that you have reached so many events professionals lives what was your intention
1: i i i see a lot of people that i'm I, i'm uh, i think of myself as a Sort of something influencing other people, is something that happened as a result of something else. Yeah. I think all of those that start out saying, I'm going to be an influencer, they're destined to fail, you know, yeah. remarkably. Um, mostly because there's no traction for that type of, of roles that you see, in, you know, in those that do, I don't know, keto diets on, on TikTok, you know, mm-hmm. absolutely millions of people that are interested in losing weight. There's there's probably thousands that are interested in running events. If not hundreds, that will be on TikTok. Yeah. So you know if you can make a business out of uh, 10, 20 people putting a like on your TikTok video, be my guest. But, yeah. Uh, I don't think there's there's a there's attraction for influencers careers uh, in in the event industry. Uh, a lot of us happen to become influencers because we we uh, provided value in some formats and that value sort of. Uh, created the numbers in the communities that matter mm-hmm. and a lot of um, through the years we've been um, and i've been i can talk from for myself i've been dedicated to provide uh something that uh, was of 100 percent value without any bias or without any uh second sort of mm-hmm. objective secondary objective behind it to the audience and uh trying to anticipate trying to warn people when there were new things coming up yeah try to keep their attention high on on stuff that i thought was important and the people have appreciated that they've trusted uh, me with their uh, with their uh following or their you know uh their trust in general like really following up uh, the the advice in quotes um yeah. that i was sharing which is which is great it's a testament but it's not something that uh, I've earned and uh, you know I've earned in 2000 and whatever 13 and I'm like milking the cow since then. So <laughs> no. then you have to keep on going and doing and you have to uh, really have a mindset for it and and uh, you know we're doing that as wapcar as well since I joined you know there's no promotional talk there's no uh, you know we're just starting conversations with with uh, research and we're sharing the data that we see in our platform with the wider public something that event technology companies never did uh, uh, or did to a certain extent whatever it was convenient to them so i think there's there's a, a, li- a lot of need of transparency yeah. uh, from tech providers right now in terms of sharing that and creating value and really give indications of like when is it best to close business during virtual events yeah what type of activation work the most so those type of questions are really important for planners right now and uh, there, there's There's a need for these roles and these facilitators in the industry in terms of uh, getting the word out there and getting more people to rally behind whatever it's new, hybrid, in person and during COVID or digital
0: yeah no I agree and the you, you, the thing that you said there that really resonated is adding value isn't it it's about adding value to someone or a company or an industry that, that actually recognize it and then that's how you build respect and that's how communities will follow you and it is about that value piece giving something back and, and, and being recognized for that so I finally final closing thoughts from you what should events professionals be focusing on in 2021 and 2022 and beyond what are our focuses right
1: now, where should where should we be um putting our energy? oh uh, to be honest, the 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 focus as always to me should be on the business model on what yeah. you're doing and really making money right now because this is like what is going to keep you afloat. Yeah. Uh to, to keep on going. Like really if and we without any um prejudice on you know having necessarily to go back to in person or having to use virtual at all costs you know, there's, there's no, like, we shouldn't, we shouldn't think in silos, we shouldn't uh, be affected by what happened over the past year. The the situation is evolving so fast. I remember back in February 2021, thinking that we would open 100% in Vegas, where where I'm at, uh, you know, by, by June 1st, we felt crazy, crazy, literally crazy. I would never have imagine that it would have been so fast, but it is, and it's yeah. going that fast. So how you react to that, how you're able to uh, create something valuable for your organization, your company, um, your business, that's key right now. That's what you have to think about and using the tools that help you to get there financially first. The, the, the continuity financially is probably the most important thing. Those that are going to come out, out of this are the ones that are going to dominate uh, uh, later on.
0: Absolutely agree, and I shouldn't need to say ask this because people do know who you are, and most people know where to follow you. But if somebody has just woken up underneath a rock and don't realise who you are <laughs> and what you do, where can you know? You obviously you're head of engagement for swap card now. Um, where can people find you? Where should we direct them?
1: Totally, um, you know, uh, you'd be amazed. There's a lot of people that absolutely ignore who I am. They totally find me. <laughs> Um, So, um, you know, at to Julius everywhere uh, on social media um, or Julius at swapcard.com if you really have uh, questions about um, the reports that we do. We've we've done a lot of research there. If you want to get a hold of those, um, get in touch with me or, you know, swapcard.com. You can download them for free as usual. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, reach out for any questions and I'll see you definitely on, on social networks.
0: We absolutely will. Julius, this has been a joy and a pleasure. So thank you very much. And we will speak again soon.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Well, that was utterly inspirational. Thank you, Julius, for being such an amazing guest and sharing all of your knowledge. I really hope one day that I get to listen to you speak live, as I'm sure most of my listeners will too. And do remember, if you have got any questions around event technology or engagement on digital or in-person events, then please do reach out to Julius. He will be very willing to answer your questions. And likewise, if you'd like to get in touch with me, say hello, ask any questions, then please do feel free to get in touch. I love hearing from you all and you will find me on all the socials at Kelly Frew or via my website Storymaker Events. I have to tell you we're in the final month of this season we've got around three episodes left after this and then we'll be taking a break for the summer so if you've got questions for me get them in as quick as you can and don't forget if you're enjoying the conversation then join us on the events for breakfast socials we're on LinkedIn we are on Twitter and we are on Instagram so come and find us enjoy your weeks enjoy your weekends whatever you're getting up to I will be back very very soon take care guys